0: Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at CandeoChurch.com. Thank you. Um, Yeah, non-staff elder. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? What I actually do for a living is I teach history at Waterloo Christian School. Um, And this opportunity... Uh, though relatively rare, is uh, much, uh, much appreciated. Um, So Daniel chapter eight, we don't break up the rhythm. We just have somebody else opening the story with us. Daniel chapter eight, it says, in the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after the one that had appeared to me earlier. I saw the vision, and as I watched, I was in the fortress city of Susa in the province of Elam. I saw in the vision that I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there was a ram standing beside the canal. He had two horns. The two horns were long, but one was longer than the other, and the longer one came up last. I saw the ram charging to the west, the north, and the south no animal could stand against him and there was no rescue from his power he did whatever he wanted and became great as i was observing a male goat appeared coming from the west across the surface of the entire earth without touching the ground the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes he came toward the two-horned ram i had seen standing beside the canal and rushed at him with a savage fury. I saw him approaching the ram, and infuriated with him, he struck the ram, breaking his two horns, and the ram was not strong enough to stand against him. The goat threw him to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one to rescue the ram from his power. Then the male goat acted even more arrogantly, but when he became powerful, the large horn was broken, four conspicuous horns came up in its place, pointing toward the four winds of heaven. From one of them, a little horn emerged and grew extensively toward the south and the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew as high as the heavenly army, made some of the army and some of the stars fall to the earth and trampled them. It acted arrogantly, even against the prince of the heavenly army It revoked his regular sacrifice and overthrew the place of his sanctuary. In the rebellion, the army was given up together with the regular sacrifice. The horn threw truth to the ground and was successful in what it did. Then I heard heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the speaker, How long will the events of this vision last? The regular sacrifice, the rebellion that makes desolate... And the giving over of the sanctuary and of the army to be trampled. He said to me, For two thousand three hundred evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be restored. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there stood before me someone who appeared to be a man. I heard a human voice calling from the middle of the Uli, Gabriel, explain the vision to this man. So he approached where I was standing. When he came near, I was terrified and fell face down. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision refers to the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me, made me stand up and said, I am here to tell you what will happen at the conclusion of the time of wrath, because it refers to the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the king of Greece. And the large horn between his eyes represents the first king. The four horns that took the place of the broken horn represent four kingdoms. They will rise from that nation. But without its power. Near the end of their kingdoms... When the rebels have reached the full measure of their sin, a ruthless king, skilled in intrigue, will come to the throne. His power will be great, but it will not be his own. He will cause outrageous destruction and succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the powerful along with the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper through his cunning and by his influence. And in his own mind, he will exalt himself, He will destroy many in a time of peace he will even stand against the prince of princes yet he will be broken not by human hands the vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true now you are to seal up the vision because it refers to many days in the future i daniel was overcome and lay sick for days then i got up and went about the king's business I was greatly disturbed by the vision and could not understand it." As we begin this morning, let me pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you that it speaks to us in so many ways. Thank you that we get a small chance to maybe understand this passage a little more like you want us to this morning. Help that to be the case. Use your spirit in our hearts and our minds and bless us. And we pray in your Son's name. Amen. So, as we take a closer look at this vision, it's helpful to note that with the help of history and the words themselves, many biblical commentators are confident in a particular interpretation of this passage, okay? So we're going to get a bit of a history lesson this morning. Um, Obviously the word tells us that the Ram was the empire of Media and Persia that is gonna succeed the Babylon empire that Daniel has been a part of and that we have taken a look at as well from earlier chapters here. And we know that then the shaggy goat as Jake referred to it last week, is the kingdom of Greece, which is coming yet ahead, historically speaking. However, before all that, I want to talk a little bit about perspective and pardon me for a minute. I'm getting a little warm up here. For those of you who don't know me very well. This is one of the shirts that I regularly wear here in the winter months. Uh, I've been a high school and college basketball official for about 40 years. And sometimes, by the comments I'm privileged enough to hear on game day, (laughs) I wonder if we're watching the same game. And they probably are wondering the exact same thing. You know, at least some of you in this auditorium are probably getting ready for the season. You know, if the students were here, they're probably practicing their cheers for the officials that'll do you and I basketball games this winter, right? It's all about perspective. It's all about what we can see, or think we see, or maybe even hope we see. But we don't see the same things. Perspective is a point of view. I think this particular vision in Daniel 8 and many of the things that we experience in life and our spiritual journey are used by God because he's wanting to change our perspective. You know, even at this particular stage of life, I don't have it all figured out yet. I don't understand everything that takes place. And I believe that God is in the process on a regular basis of trying to change that in me and help me to see things more like He does. So, remember, at the time of this vision, Daniel would have been around 70 years old, he had served the Babylonian Empire for over 50 years. But as a loyal, or excuse me, about 50 years. But as a loyal Jew, Daniel was waiting still for a Messiah. He'd been exiled. And the nation of Israel and the temple in Jerusalem and all that was important to their faith still lay in ruins. There was none of um, the hope of the restoration of the nation of Israel or the temple in this particular vision. And that even though that probably occurred sometime this vision occurred sometime around 540 BC is what we're told. In fact, this vision happens before the events of Daniel chapter 5 that we covered just a couple of weeks ago. And the demise of the Babylonian em- empire is close, okay? And What will happen in Daniel's world over the next 300 years? Daniel actually is standing in one of the places because the city of Susa, as this uh, passage tells us, actually became the capital of Persia. So while he was on this road trip, conducting business for the king, the city that would become the capital Daniel was being shown the future. And that included the downfall of the empire he had been faithfully serving and no deliverance from ongoing ruthless sin-filled pagan empires that was the future most commentators as we told you agree that the ram with the two horns was the medial persian empire and history shows us and the old testament tells us that darius the mede would take over in babylon But as time passed, the larger horn actually represented Persia, and we will read about Cyrus and Persia being in control. That empire lasted for about 200 years. It was replaced, an empire that then lasted about 330 years, according to historical records. And the Greek empire that would follow Persia was at its height for about 200 years. And then we get to the Roman Empire and history is filled with what is the latest, greatest, biggest, best fades, goes away, is replaced. Professor of Old Testament, Ian Digwid, and I didn't pronounce that correctly, I'm sure, writes about this time period that each of these kingdoms plays out a role assigned by God, But it's also understandable that Daniel needed some time to process what God was doing. Of course, that's never the case with us, correct? We get it right away. We always can quickly take our life events and see how God is using them to accomplish his purposes. See what I mean by perspective? Professor Digwood finishes the thought by saying that there is a revolving stage in world history and only the kingdom of God is forever. And while it looked dark and this vision was anything but encouraging to Daniel, it still only shows how sinful man and our desires eventually play out. In fact, it plays all the way out to the darkest day in history. It's described in Matthew chapter 27, verses 25 and 26. It says, listen to what the people of Israel called for against this sinless son of God. It says this, all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Can you imagine standing there and that being your cry? Then he, in this case, that's Pilate, released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified, yet even that darkness was still under the control of our God, who turned it around and used it to bring about the salvation of all people. The biggest change in perspective. Daniel in this particular passage is just a reminder of how big God is, even though there appears struggle difficulty that life will not be easy that life will not be good in this case for the nation of israel god is still watching over us protecting us i happen to be reading in psalm 121 this morning and i thought this would be a good place to read you some of that i lift my eyes toward the mountains where will my help come from My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Then a few verses later, it says this. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forever. What an important promise. God with us in the midst of all that we cannot control. God is with us. I was reading the daily devotional from All Pro Dad this week. And one of the, one of the things that they wrote about where it said, uh, they were talking about some of the biggest regrets in life from the people and the men that they had talked to. And one of them was not considering God. I asked myself, how often in my life has that been the case for me? How often do I fail to remember that God is sovereign and working out his plan and asking me to submit to the part that he has for me to play in that plan? And unfortunately, I have to be honest and say more than I would like to admit. Does your perspective need some correction this morning? Now back to the history lesson. The shaggy goat turns out to be the Greek empire that reached its peak under a military mastermind we would know as Alexander the Great, and the map will show up behind me here, of the amount of land that that particular empire covered. And Alexander the Great was well known for driving his army so well, okay? And please notice. That while Greece is well over, in fact, that's the western edge of his empire, it extends all the way across to the western side of India today. And Alexander the Great took over a kingdom from his father, who was assassinated, and drove his army and what was then the known world and became Alexander the Great. You know what's fascinating about that continuing story is that Alexander the Great's reign lasted all about 12 years, 13 years tops. Okay, He passed away in his early thirties. Alexander's death led to a period of bloody infighting among his four generals, which our vision refers to as the four horns that replaced him, right? Alexander's death cleared the stage and his four generals then wanted to replace him because Alexander had not named a clear successor. There was no heir. And as verse 9 then shows us, there was a little horn that emerged from those four horns and took center stage. History indicates that that horn was a general named Antiochus. Antiochus took over an area of the empire that included what we know today as modern day Syria, and then spread to the beautiful land, our passage says, which would be the land of Israel or promised land. The Bible tells us that he acted arrogantly. You've never met a man who behaves that way, have you? History tells us he gave, him, he gave himself the title epiphanies. That translates to God made manifest. We've never experienced world leaders who are that arrogant, right? It says that he even acted arrogantly against the prince of the heavenly army. Antiochus and his army overthrew the place of that prince's sanctuary as well. He brought an end to sacrifices at the Jerusalem temple that at that time had been rebuilt. Because you'll remember, the Bible tells us in the book of Ezra that Cyrus, the Persian, sent people back to Jerusalem, and the temple was rebuilt. Okay, But Antiochus took his forces in. Sacrifices were stopped in 167 BC, and Antiochus burned pig flesh on the sacred altar. He also placed an object sacred to Zeus inside the Holy of Holies. He desecrated the temple. Maybe all of that is why history says he earned another nickname, Epiphanes or the madman. All of this led to what history tells us was the Maccabean rebellion. And at the same time, we're in a period of 400 years of silence from the end of your Old Testament where God has spoken to his nation till the beginning of the New Testament where God basically didn't reveal anything of newness to the nation of Israel. 400 years of silence and watching all of what man does when man thinks he's in charge. Again, a period of darkness and challenge. Gabriel tells Daniel in this passage that. The sanctuary will be restored. And what has been told is true, he says in verse 26. So God, through his messenger Gabriel, is telling Daniel, a long period of loss, pain, destruction, and uncertainty is coming. And despite that, God's promises are absolutely certain. Do we need that reassurance today? He can be trusted and that truth is just as important for God's people to hear today. God does win in the end, despite all that we see and all that challenges us and all that we don't understand and all that we wish we understood. And God has shared it with us because in verse 26, this wasn't even shared with the nation of Israel. Read what it says there, just like he said at the end of the vision in chapter seven, that we took a look at Daniel wasn't told to share it with anyone, seal it up, seal it up. So first today, as we look at this vision in Daniel eight, we see God using it to change perspective. We're not sure what Daniel needed to know from this or why, but it certainly was something that got his attention. Because more than once, it talks about Daniel not understanding. And we'll get back to more of that in just a moment. But so often, even if we are faithful to God, there are times where we need our perspective changed, our point of view adjusted, so that we can see the world and God's work like he does. Second point this morning, God wants us to trust him and his promises. Trust him and his promises, absolutely. They are truth in a world where truth is a moving target many days. He's the one certain thing in a world of uncertainty. And that never bothers us, right? And I don't believe it's too much of a reach for you and I to see some strong similarities to the world that we are living in today. It also shouldn't be hard for us to be reminded that this is the same God that we worship today with the same promises. All of that leads to point number three this morning Daniel's response in the midst of this uncertainty. Okay? And God has shown him something in this vision. So, How does Daniel choose to respond? Maybe an idea for us in how we should respond in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Verse 27 says, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for days. And then at the end of the verse, it tells us, I was greatly disturbed by the vision and could not understand it. Let me share a little story with you. My wife, Chris, and I spent the first 16 years of our life in Spencer over in Northwest Iowa, and all of our four children were born there. But as 2001 and 2002 lived out, we were convinced that God was calling us and our family to plant a new church in Mason City. We were working with the Baptist General Conference at that time. They're now more commonly called Converge. and the, the idea, it was energizing for us to feel like you are actually part of what God is doing and feeling like he had called us to do it. And we had received assurances, we'd been evaluated, we'd been trained. And so in August of 2002, we moved to Mason City. Our oldest child, Pete, was starting high school. Our oldest daughter, Nikki, was starting seventh grade. Our middle daughter, Kelly, was beginning first grade. And our youngest, Molly, was ready for preschool. And I'm so old now that she's actually teaching. But by early 2003, the hope of a new church plant had died. And so had my father. Talk about non understanding That's where I was in the spring of 2003. How could what seems so much in the will of God just one year earlier not be a reality anymore? I also had to deal with the grief of losing my last parent. And I was only 43 years old at that point. You see, sometimes it's just not about understanding what God is doing or what God wants. Sometimes he doesn't just want us to understand. But the last almost 20 years of my life have shown me a lot about God and who he is. You know, God, we're blessed. Both my wife and I are in great places of opportunity now to serve God here in the Cedar Valley. Opportunities that we enjoy on a daily basis. We're involved in God's kingdom work, and that's an exciting place to be. And it's been so encouraging to us and to the people that we know and love. It's also taught me a lot about a word and its derivatives that are mentioned more than 425 times in the scripture. And that word is faith. And understanding faith always takes me back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And it says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And notice in that particular verse, there's nothing about whether or not I understand what he's doing or not. In another biblical translation, those last few words say, earnestly seek him. So what does this story in the life of Daniel show us about faith? Well, even though it says Daniel was disturbed, even though he was emotionally overcome, even though it says he was physically sick, and even though he could not understand it all, Daniel got to make a choice. What did he choose to do? What would I choose to do in those circumstances? Is it okay to just sit in discouragement and despair? Daniel 8, verse 27 tells us, here's what Daniel did. Then I got up and went about the king's business. Daniel got up and went about doing what God had called him to do. What God's calling all of us to do today. Wherever we're at, wherever he has placed us, whoever he has put us in contact with to possibly influence He wants us to get up and go about doing the king's business. Trusting God to do what only he can do and living and doing what he wants me to do. So while the history of Daniel 8 played out just as the vision said it would, there is much more to this chapter than just the vision. You know, we've seen God today that He's working to change the perspective or our point of view. What we think matters. We've seen today God's working through the vision that He did not include even a bright ending in this particular case, but God is calling us to trust Him as He carries out the plan. His plan, not necessarily ours. And then this passage is showing God's people to faithfully keep walking and doing what he has asked us to do, where he has us doing it and wanting us to join him in that work. I hope you hear that call today. I hope you know what it is that he is asking you to do. And I hope, like Daniel, you will faithfully get up and go about doing it. Let me pray. God, help me today, help us today to see the world as you do. Help change our point of view to match yours. God, help us to trust that your plan is being worked out even when it's hard for us to see the good in it, even when we don't understand. And then God, help us to keep doing what you have called us to do, where you have called us to do it, as you continue to work out your kingdom plan on earth. And Lord, most of all, maybe this morning as we Resume worship by this singing that you would be, thanks for letting us be a part of it all. What a great opportunity and privilege it is. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.